So many business owners and entrepreneurs are ready to ditch Instagram and replace it with anything else. So today I have Natalie Lucier on the podcast to talk about what she switched over to. It's LinkedIn. Y'all know I'm excited about this. Let's get into it. Before we dive into today's episode, I'm excited to share a little treat. Riverside, our sponsor for today's episode, has given everyone 15% off any of their subscriptions. That's 1-5-15% off. And we use Riverside to produce this podcast right here. It's an amazingly clean recording studio that is all done virtually. So check it out for yourself by clicking the link in the show notes and using the code DREA, that's DREA, D-R-E-A, at checkout to grab your 15% off. And with that, Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm excited <laughs> to dive in. Um, but for those listening, for a little bit of context, I actually heard Natalie's podcast episode on the Get Paid podcast by Claire Pels. And I listened to the whole thing. It was like near the end, you mentioned you lived relatively near to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're neighbors. So I reached out. And then in that episode, you talked about your strategy, which is why you're here. But yeah, it feels like such a small world sometimes, you know? It really does. It's so funny because I think we both moved probably at different times in our lives. And then we kind of look up and it's like, oh, we live close by. That's so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It's so wild. It's so wild. Um, So I want to start a little bit with your beginning because I find software as a service companies completely fascinating. I do not have the skill set to do that, but it's on my like dream board one day. So what got you even into building Access Ally? Yeah. So it started super early. I started making websites when I was just 12 years old and I kind of got the tech bug early and I ended up going into a software engineering degree and I got some internships on Wall Street and Silicon Valley. And then I kind of knew like I didn't want to go down the corporate path. So I started my first business and turned down a job offer on Wall Street right out of college. And uh, the first business, I call it my trading business. It was not Access Ally. (laughs) It was all about teaching online courses around nutrition. And I was totally self-taught. So I knew like probably this wouldn't be my, my business forever, but it taught me so much about, you know, online business, online marketing, social media, and then also uh, how to run online courses. And I kind of ran into some stumbling blocks and realized, you know, there aren't really the tools that we need to do this. And that kind of led to creating Access Ally, which is a WordPress plugin for creating online courses, memberships, communities. And uh, it's grown a lot, obviously, since those early days, but it was sort of scratching our own itch because we had issues with our website, with our previous uh, provider. And I was just like, you know what? (laughs) We're just going to code this. My husband is also a developer. So we're just going to code this. We did it in a weekend to just solve our problem. And then um, over time, we obviously added a ton of functionality. We had, you know, we started providing it and selling it and getting feedback and feature requests and all of that good stuff. So that was sort of a kind of a roundabout full circle way of me coming back into software because I didn't really start a software business out of college. That is so interesting. And it's so funny because several of my clients use Access Ally. I've I've been in the back end. Um, And then one of my clients develops websites specifically like course and membership products specifically using Access Ally. So it's like, I feel like I've heard of it. I know of it. I've definitely, you know, seen you around and I'm so excited to dive into all of the things 
marketing for a software as a service company as well, because it's a subscription-based model, correct? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. So the big question with all of this, well, there's two big questions, is like customer acquisition and customer retention. So when you first started, how were you getting those first um, customers and clients to trust your WordPress plugin? Yeah. So we pretty much just marketed to my existing email audience and social media audience in the beginning, and we opened it up as a beta. So we knew like it wasn't fully fleshed out in a full platform yet. And um, so we had a first you know, handful of people and then they gave us feedback. It got better. And then we started marketing it a little bit more. And um, I do think that we you know, we really kind of ran off my existing audience and my existing connection to my community. And I don't think we would be as successful if I didn't have that already established. So um, that I think is kind of key for us. We also did a lot of co-marketing with some of the integration platforms that we integrate with. So we did co-marketing with, say, ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, uh, Keep, and Entreport. And uh, that also helped as well. Oh, interesting. Okay, I'm going to come back to that because I'm also curious about retention. Um, it is, you know, like I own a membership as well. It's the big thing, right? It, it almost feels like a harder hill to climb sometimes than acquisition. So what are some of the things, internal marketing that you're doing behind the scenes to make sure you keep all of the people or as many people as you can that, that sign up? Yeah. So there's a couple of things that we do to kind of keep track of how people feel about Access Ally and how they're doing with it. So we obviously do like onboarding emails and things like that. We also have what we call tune-up calls. So they're sort of like office hours where people can come in, ask questions, get ideas for what to do with the software, or what else they could do with their courses and memberships and that kind of stuff. Um, and then we also do uh, a net promoter score. So that basically means it's a little, uh, you know, questionnaire essentially that pops up maybe every six months in the plugin. And then we find out how people feel about the plugin. So on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend this to a friend? And so if people rate us a little bit lower than like around seven, we'll reach out to them and we'll try to have a call with them. So we do a lot to find out, you know, what's missing, what could be better, you know, is it our training? Is it the software features that are missing for you? Um, there's just so many different, you know, things that could be happening that it might not necessarily just be the software, like it could be something happened in their life, and they didn't, you know, have a chance to get back into it. And so they feel like they're paying for it, but not getting the value. So there's a lot of times that happens also for memberships where someone's like, hey, you know, something just happened. I'm going to need a break for three months. So we also offer that. Sometimes we offer um, sort of a, a win back, right? So you can pause your membership or um, come back later as well. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And I love hearing things like that because I think, especially when we think about marketing, oftentimes we think so much about getting the clients, but in the model of business that we have, um, more emphasis actually on keeping the clients. There's a ton of internal marketing and, and touch points and things that we do. And the way that you describe yours, it sounds like a very personalized thing, which, you know, there's a lot of tools that aren't that personalized at all. Like they could care less if you went to another tool, whereas you're taking the time to have one-on-one calls with people and figure out where they are in their lives and like create solutions based on their needs, like taking a break. It's, I love it. It's beautiful. 
Yeah. Um, so someone on another podcast, um, Gillian Perkins was like, Hey, it sounds not just like software as a service, but software and a service. And that's pretty much what it feels like and kind of what we try to provide as well. So it is software, but we try to give that human touch as much as we can too. I love that software and a service. <laughs> that's cute. I love it. Okay. Back, back to the external marketing piece, because I do think, that comes first, obviously. Um, and from what I observe about the way that you approach it, you are still very much the face of the company. Um, and it sounds like it's been like that since early the early days. What kind of made that decision for you? Yeah. So I, it's so interesting. I think it comes back to that human piece where people need a solution to their problems, right? So they need a membership solution or a course solution or something, but at the same time, they still buy from people, right? And I think if we remove ourselves completely from the business and we kind of become this corporate entity, then I think people don't want to do business with us as much. And, you know, we do get this feedback all the time, not just for me, but other people on our team. And they say, you know, Scott was amazing. Naomi answered my question so beautifully. And, you know, we have this feedback of the humanity of our company. And I think that is something I never want to lose. I think it's actually one of our strengths. And um, yeah, I, I also think about this a lot where I see companies where you don't know who started the company. You don't know who works there, who does anything there, right? And it kind of feels like this, can you really trust them if you don't know who's behind it? So that for me is kind of something that matters to me and um, definitely part of our marketing as well, because uh, it is strategic, but it's also kind of feels natural that way too. Yeah. And I, I believe the future of marketing is going to be more humanity in how companies, brands show up. And also, I know for a lot of people, it can be very challenging. So how do you manage the challenging aspects of you being the face of the company? Any backlash, anything like that? Sometimes it can be tricky. Uh, so in 2017, 2018, I did something called an email experiment where I sent these daily emails. They were basically to our access ally, you know, general list, not our customers necessarily, but just all the people on our email list. And they were sort of spicy, fiery emails of just what was on my mind, you know, about pretty much anything like climate, politics, you name it, just like all the stuff that I had been sort of suppressing. And people would email me back and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're stepping up for this. You're standing out and talking about this. And um, and I've kind of done that a couple of times, but I also kind of pull back sometimes too, because I need time to not always be, you know, fiery and on, you know, <laughs> feeling all those emotions, but also to uh, just do the work behind the scenes as well. So yeah, I think that's the hardest part is opening yourself up like that. People feel like they they have the right to also give you feedback along the way. And we've seen this, especially in the past couple of years with a lot of the political tension, the social economic tension, um, even most recently things like wars and the atrocities happening around the world. It can be very hard to navigate that. Um, so today, how do you decide what to share and what not to share? Yeah, so I, it's a, it's always like this kind of fluid in motion thing. I don't have like a hard and fast rule. I think when I really feel called to talk about it, or I feel like I have a perspective that might add to the conversation. And I feel like we all feel like we have a perspective that would add to the conversation, especially on social. It's always like so easy to just hit post on something. But I really try to think about it, you know, how would this land for people? Um, is it going to 
escalate things? Is it going to make them feel like there's someone else that understands what they're going through? Or, you know, what kind of emotions is it going to send? So I, I think about this a lot. I have this saying of like, I don't send marketing emails, I send emotions and feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think I try to really process what I'm about to send through that lens, because I don't want people to feel like even more like, you know, like, oh no, like there's like the world is on fire and all of that. Right. So I feel like that, that goes into my decision-making process. And sometimes, you know, I feel like I, I don't have any answers. I don't have anything to add. So I kind of refrain from joining those types of conversations. Um, so yeah, it's not perfect. It's sort of a work in progress, but yeah, sometimes I feel like strongly about something and I feel like I have to say it. Yeah. I, I want to highlight to everyone listening that it's not perfect. It almost never is. And I think that's the biggest challenge with being the face of the company, being in marketing, is that um, there's this assumption in this leadership role that you know everything and that you can do no wrong. And so when wrong does happen, like we misstep, we say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing, people get upset. And so as leaders, all of you listening to the podcast, you're leaders, right? We this is one of the challenges that we have to navigate. I love it. Um, Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to dive into this deleting Instagram scenario when we get back. Hey friends, are you looking to level up your LinkedIn game? If you are, I want to invite you to my free, yes, free LinkedIn challenge happening this January. The LinkedIn Jumpstart Challenge is your fast pass to some pro-level LinkedIn skills. In just five days, you'll be able to take your profile, completely revitalize it, go from meh to amazing, and create some authority-building content that will convert your followers into sales and new business. And no, we are not using some sleazy DM strategies here. I'm talking to you, the guy from Minnesota who one time tried to sell me solar panels. Dude, we're not even in the same country. We're not being that guy. So if you're ready to really take your authority to the next level using LinkedIn, join us today. You can find the link at onlinedrea.com slash LinkedIn. I'll see you there. Bye for now. Okay. And we're back. So I know that you deleted Instagram. Tell me what sparked this drastic move? Yes. Okay. So I have to say I was using Instagram mostly for business, but a little bit, you know, on the personal side too. And I realized I was starting to look at things from the Instagram lens. So if I was out in my day to day, I would be like, okay, this would be a great place to take a picture or, you know, I need to put on a certain outfit or whatnot and take some shots. Uh, or I would even, cause I, I'm a huge gardener and we moved to a farm and I was like, oh, my garden doesn't look as beautiful as those Instagram gardens. I should just start like reorganizing my garden and like planning it to, to be Instagrammable essentially. And I realized like, what am I doing this for? And I realized it was just this kind of perfect aesthetic I was trying to aspire to. And it was causing a lot of stress for me. And also I realized it wasn't a good you know way to spend my time. And so I figured if I keep my account, I'm going to keep looking at it and I'm going to keep wanting to do it. And if I just delete it, then I'm free. Right. So, so that was sort of my thought process there. That's so interesting. I think, 
I think more and more people are going to do this in the future, um, especially to like the next generation. Like my younger sister, my younger brother, they're not on social media. They think it's really weird. <laughs> they're like, "You what? You why don't you just go live your life?" <laughs> and so I I do see people going that way, generally speaking, and also. I think it's interesting from a business perspective because we may be using the tools differently. And I know you are as well. So you deleted Instagram, but you chose something else, LinkedIn. Why LinkedIn? Yeah. So, I mean, this is almost like philosophical, but not really. But I was like, okay, um, we've, we've spent a lot of money on ads on Facebook and Instagram. And I feel like I've done enough for Zuckerberg. So I don't really want to do more in that direction. And so I realized like, what are, are the options, right? So there's, you know, TikTok, there's LinkedIn, there's YouTube. Um, I'm sure there's others I'm, I'm forgetting, but those were sort of like the options I could consider. And I figured, you know, people who are looking for software, they might more likely be on LinkedIn than they might be in other places. And also I had done a lot of YouTube videos previously. So I knew like kind of what I was up against on YouTube because there's a lot of competition for the types of content that I was trying to create around online courses and memberships and things like that. And written content is just way easier for me to produce than doing a whole video. So I realized, okay, LinkedIn, we're going to give it a try. And it's interesting because when I kind of went all in on LinkedIn, I realized there's definitely a community there too. There are people who are also all in on LinkedIn and they're really growing there and doing cool things. And that also helped me see the potential of it too. Okay. So I love this decision because one, I want to highlight something is that you chose your preference of communication. And I think sometimes as business owners, we go for what people generally recommend, but if it, you, you can do video, but video takes you so much longer and you're more likely to produce written content if it doesn't like take as long um, and it can be just as effective, right? So I love that decision. And then I also love the values-based decision as well. Um, I hear this a lot when I um, coach people through choosing a platform, right? And I go, well, what about TikTok? And they're like, absolutely not. Here's the reasons why. I'm like, good for you. There's there's other options, you know? And so I do think focusing in on both your preference and your values is super important when it comes to choosing a platform. Because if I told you, Natalie, you got to be on LinkedIn, and then you go there and you're like, I hate it here. It doesn't matter what I say, right? You're never going to use it. Absolutely. So you're on LinkedIn and you're on LinkedIn as your personal self, Yes. Um, how do you, what, how do you navigate the platform? How frequently are you posting? What's your, what's your strategy? Yeah. So at first I was just posting a little bit more like, you know, cause I wasn't posting for many, many years. I wasn't really active. I just had an account when, you know, people got on LinkedIn, which was probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, like a really long time ago. Um, and it was more like the resume back then. Right. And there's been a lot of, a lot of new features you can do, um, the actual, I don't, I think it's creator mode where you can post more and people can see your stuff a little bit more. So, um, when I turned that on, I realized, oh, I could be posting a lot more often and people would interact more. So I ended up creating a, almost like a daily strategy. And um, some of it is short snippets. Some of it is links to the podcast or uh, to a video that we made or things like that. But I, the best things that, that we post tend to be personal stories or things that I've learned along the way and kind of sharing some of those things. And also just kind of transparent shares of like, 
what it's like running a seven-figure business and do we actually bring home seven figures? And the answer is no. <laughs> and all of those types of things where I think people see like the glossy, uh, you know, top line numbers, but they don't see the reality under the hood. So I like to share that kind of content as well. Um, and then, yeah, so we kind of schedule out content about a week or two in advance. Um, and I try to be as active as I can in comments and responding and kind of have our little crew that kind of developed organically of other people who post regularly and kind of share each other's stuff as well. Okay. I'm going to get nosy for a second. You mentioned the word we schedule it out. Who's on your team? Yeah. So we have quite a few people on the team, but uh, on the marketing side, it's myself, um, Lacey Boggs, who we recently hired. And um, we also have a marketing intern. And uh, this marketing intern, they they kind of switch over <laughs> every four months. So um, sometimes you can see like the types of images in our posts might switch a little bit. And that's because different people might be designing the graphics. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of who's on the team right now uh, for the marketing side. I love Lacey. She's brilliant. So Lacey is this, what's her title? Um, so she's actually um, Chief Creative Officer of Words. <laughs> That actually fits her very much so. Um, and if y'all are curious and want to hear more about Lacey, I'm going to link to her episode in the show notes. Um, how do you work together, especially as a personal brand? I get this question so much. So she's the wordsmith, basically, but it's still your thoughts. So how do you collaborate on that? Yeah, so... Uh, a lot of it comes from content that I've written from, you know, years ago, because we have so much of it that we don't always have to reinvent the wheel. So some of like my popular quotes and things we kind of just grab from existing content. And she's awesome at repurposing and finding the gems. Um, and sometimes our interns will also do that aspect of it. Um, but yeah, we will come up with, you know, what are we promoting? What are the types of themes we have going forward for the next few weeks or months? And how can we promote that? And then, um, Sometimes I just write the post and we just schedule it and it's like simple as that. But other times, yeah, it is a bigger campaign or promotional thing that we're doing and she will really help to um, figure that out, the cadence and how often and all of that as well. Okay. Oh, that's so beautiful. So for those of you listening, as personal brands, you can definitely get help with this. You don't have to do everything. In fact, I think it's almost impossible these days to, to do everything. Um, okay. So you also mentioned going in and kind of nurturing and building your network. Um, do you know how much time you spend on that any given day or week? I was trying to think about exactly how much time. I would say probably 20 minutes a day is average. Uh, there's definitely been days where it's like, whoa, a post kind of blew up and you know, I spent more time responding to people or you know, kind of nurturing that relationship, like you said, or things go into DMs and then, you know, there's a little bit more back and forth and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably about average, I would say. Okay. And how do you know all of this is being successful? Like, I think that's one of the big questions for a lot of brands is we spend so much time in marketing, content creation and, and engaging our community. How do we know that it's working? Yeah, so I think there's uh, this concept that I first heard from Tara McMullen on her podcast of value capture, uh, where it's basically you really care about this one thing, which is kind of complicated to track. So like relationships or something like that. And then you 
kind of narrow it down into something that's trackable, like comments or engagement or shares or something like that. And you kind of lose the essence of what you were looking for in the first place. So obviously, we look at numbers, we look at engagement, we look at how many new followers or connections I'm making on LinkedIn. Um, We look at how many people saw the post, that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it's more important how it feels with the relationships that I'm building. So um, there's people, for example, on LinkedIn that I've kind of reconnected with or connected with for the first time. And we've been kind of, you know, going back and forth for a year of just like, you know, sharing each other's stuff, commenting, that kind of thing. And then they'll send me a DM and say, hey, I just referred a client to Access Ally. Or, hey, um, I think I'm going to sign up for Access Ally. (laughs) And it's like, whoa, like I didn't realize like that could happen, which obviously that's the point, right? Of social media and your your for your business, that's what you're trying to aim for. But to see it happen in sort of an organic way like that felt really good. And I don't think that's super trackable. That's kind of the downside of doing things this way. But I think that is the ultimate goal. And I try to remember that even when I look at like, okay, how many new subscribers, how many new, you know, link clicks back to our website, like that kind of stuff. It's nice, but it's not necessarily the ultimate tracking thing that we can do to get the best results that we want. Yes. You know, it kind of reminds me of, I think I talk about this a lot lot on my podcast, but it kind of reminds me of like building friendships anyways. Like you, you can't really have a spreadsheet of like, here's how many times we texted. Here's, you know, here's how many times we hung out in person. Just sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you click, sometimes you don't. Um, But if you're committed to making relationships and friendships, you kind of continue down that journey. And social media feels very much the same in that it's very relationship driven. And sometimes people send referrals, um, maybe won't turn into anything, but that's kind of part of it. And yeah, I love, I love Tara McMullen's stuff. I'm a super fan. She's been on the podcast twice. I need to have her come back to talk about her Substack because I'm just so fascinated. But um, she's totally right in that it's it's like we try to boil down these relationships into tangible <laughs> metrics like comments and likes, but it's the quality of those that really is what matters. Um, okay. So as we head into the new year, um, is there anything new that you're trying marketing-wise? Yes. Um, so you mentioned Substack. So that's something that's really like on my horizon. Um, and it's weird. I feel like I, I want to say like all the cool kids are doing it, but <laughs> I feel like there is something to it because it reminds me a lot of the old school blogging days. And I think that's what I kind of miss. So I've been uh, blogging a little bit more on com. Some of it is just like, you know, stuff that I would send to our newsletter and decide to just post it on the site and see what happens. But there's no way for people to find your website, like unless you're, you know, trying to come up in Google search results or something. But a lot of times it's so competitive for keywords. And if you're posting something that's a little bit more personal, there's not really like a reason to optimize for search. And so, yeah, I'm really excited about Substack personally. Um, And again, it's kind of figuring out that balance between the personal brand and Access Ally because I would want it to lead back to Access Ally, but also not be just like an ad for Access Ally. So that's something I'm going to be experimenting with as well. Yes. If you do that, please let me know. I'm so curious because Substack to me feel, you're right. It feels like blogging, but it also feels it. There's such a social component to it. I know it's marketed as like this email tool, but 
it's it's social media to me. And so I'm so fascinated yes. by it. It's like long I, it form It feels social. like it's a new – yes, long form social is exactly how I was thinking about it too. <laughs> and I was like, would it replace LinkedIn or would it just be complementing it or you know, what would that look like? So yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff to explore there for sure. Yes. Oh, I'm def- I'm like in research, full on research mode right now. And then I, y'all will hear it here on the podcast when I f- go all in because it's so fascinating to me. All right, Natalie, thank you so much for this conversation. I know you have a free gift for our listeners. Um, this free 30 day list building challenge is like, you're known for it, right? So tell us about it. Yes. So it's basically what kickstarted, you know, like the six-figure business that then turned into XSLI and all of that. So I kind of realized in my very first training business, how to start building an email list, how to get people to sign up and, you know, all of the things you can do to get people engaged in an email list or potentially in the future, a Substack. But uh, that, that was sort of where I got started. And I realized, you know, I want to set myself an ambitious goal for doubling my email list. And I decided to just announce it publicly on social media. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And if you want to do it with me, I'm going to share everything I'm going to do along the way and, you know, come and sign up. It was very meta, right? You had to opt in (laughs) to see, to see the challenge and do it with me, but it ended up being a huge success. And I kind of went back and retooled it based on what actually worked, what people were telling me in terms of their results. And it became basically a short video a day for 30 days, mini course. And I wanted to keep it free. So it's totally free. Anyone can sign up at any time. It starts the day you sign up and it's super doable. It's not like overwhelming or anything and um, you can choose which activities to do or which ones not to do and um, yeah I really feel like it's such a great way if you want to build an audience and build an email list that will kind of help your your business actually grow long term all of that for free my goodness y'all better go get this I'll put the link in the show notes but it's also 30daylistbuildingchallenge.com so fairly easy to remember but you can find any of the links that we mentioned today you can connect with Natalie in the show notes onlinedrea.com slash 287 Natalie thank you so much for being on the show Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. This has been so fun. Yes, I loved it. And thank you, dear listener. Thanks for keeping us in the top 100 marketing podcasts. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave your five-star reviews, stay subscribed, stay listening. It helps us stay up there. I will be back soon with a new episode. That's all for today. Bye for now.